Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Creepy and Geeky. Uh, <laughs> this week, uh, the kids Was are back with me. I know, I, I know, I realized that it sounded like a howl in the moment. Well, obviously, Maybe you can hear that the kids are back with me. So, <laughs> And this week, we're going to be talking about the Scream franchise. So that should be a lot of fun. But uh, to begin with, it's been literally about a month since we last all got together for an episode. So we want to talk about some of the things that we've been uh, into that's been creepy or and or geeky. Harrison, why don't you start us off? Uh, what sure. have you been up to? I've lately been very interested in Magic the Gathering Arena. I used to dabble in Magic the Gathering when I was in college. Um, it was something that my wife and I got into. But it kind of fell to the wayside uh, because uh, bills come first. <laughs> but Magic the Gathering Arena has been pretty fun. Uh, kind of lets me scratch that itch without having to spend too much money. Uh, so that's really nice. Otherwise, I've been playing uh, the game The Outer Worlds by Obsidian Entertainment. And that's been a lot of fun. Very kind of 1920s aesthetic sci-fi corporate hell <laughs> hell place <laughs> where uh everything's run by the corporations and you're looking to try and give a little bit of freedom back to this uh backwater colony in the middle of space all right that sounds cool yeah i've heard of outer worlds before i've seen um, people talking about it but as you know, I'm not much of a gamer, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't partake as much in those. It's got the vibes that I like about um, a lot of genre fiction. It's very kind of Western aesthetic, but with a twist. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, Katrina, make a noise over there with your water bottle. I'm sorry. <laughs> what have you been up to? I have been recently playing the latest installment of the Life and Str- Life is Strange franchise, Life is Strange True Colors. Okay. I just finished the second Life is Strange game. I had left it off apparently back in November of 2020. So I finished I finished the last uh, chapter and a half that was left. <laughs> so um, I I do that with incredible frequency as well where I just leave the last like main quest not finished. I'm like Oh man. Like oh I'm sure I'm TV sure this shows. game has like 3 hours left in yeah. it and it's actually like, Well, this game actually did have 3 hours cuz each chapter was about 2 hours. <laughs> well. So Yeah. But Point taken. Was, uh, the end of Life is Strange 2 is good. I'm playing the new one now and I'm having to restart a chapter, like a portion of a chapter so that I can make the correct choice because it's a choice-based game and I found out that I had chosen the wrong choice. Um, <laughs> so I'm restarting it. Oh, if only so. we could re-choose our choices in life as easy it is in a video to game. To be fair, the person, yeah, was, the, the main character has superpowers, so... Well, also, wasn't the whole idea of the first game that, yeah, that you, you had the power to yeah, yeah, rewind time? Yeah. It's yeah. not that anymore. It was only the first yeah. game, but okay. I've been doing that game-wise and entertainment like books other media i've been uh listening to the audiobook of catching fire from the hunger games trilogy okay and i have realized that i definitely did not watch that movie as much as i did the first one because the stuff they're talking about i don't remember if it's in the movie or not like i just but in the first one, I was like, oh, yeah, that was in the movie. That wasn't in the movie. But for well, now, I'm were... just like, I, I don't know. Yeah, but you were also really 
a lot younger when those books came out. You loved the, the whole books? Hunger Games like world and everything. You read the you read all three books. I read all three books after the first movie came right. came out in twenty twelve. So I was like, sorry for the old people, but I I was in sixth grade in two thousand twelve or not sixth grade. I was in fifth grade in two thousand twelve. So that's when I read the books. That's all right. Mm-hmm. She just celebrated her twentieth birthday last week. So haha. Incorrect. Nineteen plus one <laughs> birthday. It's my nineteen plus one year being alive. It's Twenty. 20. That's it's okay not, to that's age. That's not a number. <laughs> um, Alright, so what else? Um, I've also started watching the Archive 81 TV show on Netflix. Um, it's pretty good so far. I did start watching it while I was doing laundry, so I... I it was a, a time because I would like stop folding socks to like be like, oh, that's creepy. What's going on? And then I would continue. So... <laughs> It was it was really good. It's kind of funky. It's kind of I don't know. It kind of reminds me of Black Mirror in a way. I don't know. It's weird. Mm. Okay. It I might I'm totally gonna be wrong. People are gonna be yelling at me about this because I didn't pay attention. <laughs> they're currently but, yelling at the, their their phones. And it's not like, like that. Yeah. So it's just it has vibes of like Black Mirror and sort of like the newest Candyman. It's weird. Okay. Hmm. It's okay. It, I don't know. The vibes are weird, but they're really fucking creepy, and it's like one of the like most recent things in media that I'm actually like freaked out by when I'm watching it. So, <laughs> cool. good, good job. That's good. Producers, That's good. directors, yeah, whatever. Writers. Yeah. Actors. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For me, uh, I uh, finally got to watch uh, Yellow Jackets after I'd seen everybody, literally everybody on Twitter talking about it. Uh, I finally got that uh, free trial of Showtime so I could just binge watch it. And I actually watched it over the course of two days, like five episodes each day, just getting through it. And that is, it's a great show. Everybody was not lying about that. There's so many times where people hype up something and I'm just like, I finally get to watch it. And it's just, eh. But this was definitely worth watching. Uh, I tried to get you guys both to watch it uh, before the trial ended, but uh, you guys didn't have time, you know, due to work and school and the baby and everything. So mm-hmm. it's a, uh, <laughs> but definitely later on, if you guys get a chance, you know, get a free trial of Showtime or something and give it a watch because it's a it's a great show, great performances by all the act- actresses and it's insane. So yeah, um, I, I mean, when you showed me the trailer, it looked interesting. Oh yeah, just... no, it's. Oh, the trailer, trailer shows you just just being dip, a, being a dip. dad comes first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing that we have made time for you and I, Harrison, uh, has been uh, the book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Harrison and I are big Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I I raised him to appreciate the Star Wars. He's the I stars guess, and the war. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, the he's wars in the stars. <laughs> He's a little bit more of a um, geek about it than I am. I would say a little bit more. Uh, he plays the RPG. He knows like ship names Harrison's and weapon names. He Dad just gets is a nerd. Yeah, no, I'm a geek. He's the nerd. There you go. Yes. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so yeah, so we're both enjoying Book of Boba Fett. I've uh, I've really enjoyed the new, despite everybody online like. Not everybody, but there's a good portion of people I follow on Twitter and elsewhere. Just like people are not 
enjoying Boba Fett for differing reasons. Some people don't care about his, you know, progression as a character, but they just feel like the show is too slow or meandering or whatever. And I can understand those criticisms. Don't get me wrong. Um, there are times where it's just kind of like, eh, okay, let's get to, you know, get to some, some other plot here. But I think overall, whatever deficiencies it has are made up for by the fact that to me, it's compelling. I'm enjoying seeing uh, Boba Fett grow as a character. We're finally getting some actual depth to him. I mean, we literally had no, like for the yeah. original trilogy, we had no, amount of time with him yet he became one of the coolest characters i mean he was to be to be frank and honest he was essentially a cardboard cutout yeah like villain who just had a cool costume yeah and he was just there to be the foil for yeah. our heroes and we well, just seemed like so the cool cowboy kind of, exactly he, you know? he had a he had the 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 black hat and he had the swagger and, and, and you know he he was quiet he didn't talk yeah, much exactly you yeah know, he just looked cool um, you know and now we're actually getting to see that underneath it all and we've gotten little bits here and there you know uh, uh, Django the his past being a, a, we've had a, a little bit in Clone Wars um, yeah and I don't I don't think he popped up in Rebels at all but mm -hmm. I, he he did pop up in Clone Wars a couple times but it is. For what it's worth, this show is doing the best character work done for yeah. what otherwise would have just been a guy in a green suit of armor. Yeah. And yeah. so that's, for the, for what it's worth, not that bad. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it's a, it's a good show and that I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, looks like we're going to get a little Mandalorian action next week. Mm -hmm. We got a little tease in the musical cues in that one. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Besides that, I've been reading some Ed Brubaker comic books. He had a uh, recent Humble Bundle. There was a Humble Bundle that had a bunch of his comic books, uh, mostly with his collaborator, Sean Phillips. And I've always loved their comics. And so I, I snapped that up. It was $25 for like almost everything they've done together. And it's... It's great. Criminal, Fatal, Killer Be Killed, The Fade Out. So many good stories. So much like good, gritty crime stuff, which I love. And, you know, there's a couple of other projects that he did with another artist. Like there's Velvet in there and Scene of the Crime. So it's a, it was a good bundle. I tried to hype it up on Twitter a couple of times. Nobody seemed to care, but... <laughs> Yeah, it was a it's it's a good bundle of comic books. I told Harrison about it. I'm gonna um, share them with him so that he can check them out too. It's a good batch of comic books, and can't wait to keep reading more of those. So, mm -hmm. all right, well, let's get into the main topic of discussion today. We are going to be talking about the Scream franchise. The latest movie just came out uh, about what a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, it'll be it'll be uh, over two weeks by the time this episode comes out, and it's doing gangbusters at the block at the box office, and it it kicked Spider Man out of number one for a week, and now Spider Man also, inched it its way back Dolby in for the first time in a month. <laughs> but it came back. Spider Man came back uh, this last weekend. It's back at number one. <laughs> but Scream, the new Scream is great. Um, we're not going to spoil it on here uh, during this first part of the discussion we're actually going to talk about the first four movies 
then we're going to end the episode for everybody, and then we're going to continue it and have a little uh, spoilery discussion of the fifth movie uh, afterward. That way you guys can listen for most of the episode, cut right there at the end, and come back when you've seen it. So for me, I've been a fan of Scream from the beginning. I actually was working at a theater. My kids currently work at a theater, but I was actually working at a theater in 1996 when it came out. And that was, nobody expected it. Nobody like really thought, because at that point, slashers were had died and nobody was making any really good ones. They were all going direct video if they were even making any. They were all crappy. And even the history of slashers in general, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween, those were so up and down in quality and stories and stuff like that. There was no consistency or there was rarely any consistency. Uh, they tried here and there, but for the most part, you know, nobody really took the time to, I don't know, keep an ongoing narrative that made sense. I mean, and we didn't know that with you know, the first scream that they were going to try and do a series. But when the first scream came out, that was like, it was nuts. It, it hit big and it didn't hit big at first, but it like a lot of people went to go see it at first. And then word of mouth over, over a couple of weeks, then it generated a bunch of heat. And by the time, cause it, it premiered in December of 1996. So around the holidays and I think by the end of the month or you know, sometime in January, it was like rocking. Well, like I it mean, was doing really well. Back then, like there wasn't social media. So yeah. the like amount of like the global like communication, like this, like the, the diffusion of information right. is, was much less at that point because it was either word of mouth or people I honestly don't know how else. Like maybe like like critics, I guess. I guess. Yeah, magazines and critics yeah. and stuff like that. That's that's how most people would have gotten it at yeah. that point. There's there was a little bit of internet at that point, but yeah. not not the way it is now. Yeah. So for sure that it's. It's it was it was harder for it to yeah. get that. It was slow going, but for now, right. If a movie's good, everyone hears about yeah. it right away. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you sometimes hear about it before it even comes out, you yeah. know, because you get so many critics or you get, you know, the advanced screening people who talk about stuff. That's kind of something you kind of miss before the Internet age is that back then you could get surprised by a movie. You could like no matter how good a movie looked person who saw it early yeah and so no matter how how good a movie looked you weren't sure if it was going to be that great or not until you actually went and saw it and or read a review in a magazine about it or the newspaper or whatever and so it's a uh, for uh, those boys and girls in the audience who don't know what a magazine or newspaper is it's a uh, periodical (laughs) made with paper that people read before the internet (laughs) I'm going to say I'm probably among the age of the youngest demographic, and I'm probably younger than that age. <laughs> so you're talking to literally no one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure our audience probably skews older. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think anyone who's like Thanks for 14. undercutting my joke, Katrina. It's my Thanks. job. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah, I know. I got to keep you humble. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so the first scream came out, and I fucking loved it like that hit me like so for me and i've talked about this a little bit that i've always loved 
movies in general. But I really didn't become a movie fan, like, hardcore until I was in my, I'd say probably my 20s. So I wasn't as big into horror. I liked horror movies. I watched them as a kid, and I enjoyed them. But Scream was one of those ones that really kind of broke it for me for a while that was just like, I love horror movies. This is so cool. This is so fun. It it like riffs on the older horror movies. It's funny, um, which, you know, as I've mentioned before, I love horror comedies. And I think that Scream fits firmly in that in a way. Yes, it's a horror, but it's got enough comedy in it to, you know, keep you going, to give you that little little comedy jolt. It's not as, you know, splat stick as like, a Evil Dead or uh, Shaun of the Dead or whatever that was meant to be funny. This is meant to be a horror movie, a slasher film with comedic elements. And I think that's what, regardless, it still worked for me on both of those levels. And I just, I was such a huge fan that I, you know, thankfully VHS tapes were available to finally buy around that time period. They hadn't been during the 80s uh, unless you paid like, hundred dollars or more for them uh, because VHS movies were made for rental so the only people who could afford were rich people or people who um, video rental stores who could afford to buy the hundred dollar tape and then rent it out and get that that money back for it in the 90s tapes became cheaper and so I would go to Suncoast and I would go to other places Suncoast was my main thing I love Suncoast and because you could find good good box sets and stuff there VHS stuff and that's actually what I was going to say was that I got a two tape set of the first Scream movie that the first one was just the movie and then the second one was the movie with audio commentary which was crazy because you know that up until that point you only really got audio commentary or um, special features on laser discs and I couldn't afford laser disc or anything and this was 96 was like the year 96 97 was right around when dvd was just about to hit so tapes were still tapes were still a thing for a good long while um tapes are now making a resurgence uh upon with collectors and and hipsters and well yeah but i mean (laughs) the venn diagram of that is pretty much a circle uh no i'm just messing with all the collectors um (laughs) but yeah that was a great i love that and i had gotten other tape sets like that too i've gotten a fargo one and i don't know a couple other ones and then there were some other ones that were putting out uh, um director's cut stuff so it was it was a great time but that was a great set i love that and i would listen to the commentary and i i watched the hell out of that movie um as you guys well know because you guys grew up with me watching it and watching the 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 first three movies a lot you guys Mm -hmm. really grew up with those movies and you know they they were part of me and over time i kind of lost and i think it's just because over time new things came in and and the scream had kind of like i'd watched those first three movies so much that i kind of burned out on them but having watched uh the 25th anniversary at the theaters of the first scream uh, rekindled that for me, especially with the new one that had just come out. And so all of that is just like, I'm excited for Scream again. But yeah, for me, that first movie was like crazy awesome. And it ignited 
for a little while, ignited a little bit of horror fandom with me. But because you guys were kids um, and you guys didn't really like horror too much, um, you guys liked it somewhat, but it was weird. You guys kind of got a little bit older and got scared and didn't want to watch it. And, you know, your mom wasn't into it. So I just kind of put a lot of the horror stuff on the background. We would watch some things like the Final Destination movies and some of those other things. But like a lot of the stuff got put on the back burner until, you know, 2018 when I just went, hey, horror, this is awesome. Mm. So and then now looks like my room threw up a horror in it. So, mm. <laughs> so. you just need to paint the walls red and black and then you're there done. you go. Black with some blood drips. Yeah. <laughs> that would Paint's be awesome. Paint splatter like blood <laughs> So. Yeah. What do you guys, uh, you guys have some thoughts on the first one? Um, I think that the first one is a very smart thriller. I think that it, uh, does a lot of work to kind of deconstruct the genre that Mm -hmm. it is a part of. Yeah. And also to keep the audience guessing and make sure that it's not an easy answer on who Ghostface is and, um, actually make that a part of the viewing experience yeah. on intentionally putting in red herrings, intentionally yeah. involving the audience in the experience of trying to identify the killer and pulling the ultimate switcheroo on them at the end and having everyone kind of look like, like just everyone like Pikachu. <laughs> Pikachu meme. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's it's very good. Created a lot of really standout characters. Uh, ironically, created the tropes that would follow it um, in every Oh, there were a lot movie. of imitators after Scream um, came out. There was a lot of scary writing. Scary movie for one. Well, I mean, the scary movie things were spoofs. But, you know, I know what you did last summer, yeah. Valentine, Urban Legend. We had a whole slew of teen based i mean they slashes have always been teen based anyway but this whole late 90s early 2000s boom in the teen slasher you know aesthetic and that scream kind of created that everybody tried to glom onto to varying effects some were good most were eh. well and so compounding on that i've got two things for that where scream scream it to its credit is also a film that doesn't rely on a lot of the tropes that came before it in terms of even the 80s slashers. It, right. it It is its own genre of slasher um, that it creates because it doesn't have the same, like, like women in, like, like, bad situations. Like, there isn't the, like, the girl who's killed in the sex scene. There right. isn't, like, there aren't, like, that doesn't happen. No, there's, like, there for an R-rated series as this is there's no nudity like there's and, no real and the only, sex in and this. the only real moment where things heat up happens completely off screen right and then by the time we're back to it it's done right and we like we move on to the story because it and i think that's intentional i think it's intentional oh, yeah. that we like ramp up to it and you're like oh and then it cuts down right. and then it's like oh, okay this isn't that kind of movie and um and that's kind of the could be the catchphrase of the whole movie is this isn't that kind of movie right um well and that's what that's what the screen movies do is subvert those tropes 
like turn them on their head. You know, we in the first one, you you get a like most of these slashers have final girls, you know, but this wasn't just a final girl. This was a trio of people who survived and then continued on into each successive movie Mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. Um, And so you had this group of people who continued to show up every time, continued to battle this. And like you said, the mystery of who Ghostface was, that's that's an essential part of each movie is figuring out who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, each one, you, you think it's going to be, oh, it's going to be the boyfriend. No, it's not the boyfriend this time. You know, it's every time it's something different, but they do such a good job at the red herring, like you said, that it's and And, it's to, awesome. that, and to that point, it's not a mystery that feels undeserved it if you are actually following along right there you can yeah, actually the clues are all there guess the killer yeah. and and so for that reason it's even more engaging because if you do guess the killer then it's that i got you moment it's the right. it's like i i knew it was you and um and you could have um like if you were in that situation and you could have called it out but what what I was saying earlier about how it kind of created the tropes, I was also even including the later Scream movies in it, where oh, yeah. um, where basically the like the mystery killer, the the guy or person setting up the rules of whatever yeah. like movie that this is going right. to be, it, it create it creates tropes, which is something that like and no spoilers for the new movie, but the new movie plays a lot with how those tropes have affected even the scream films and right. it calls that back into that one well and that's what's great about this series too is one it's got great consistency we have the same characters going through the same problems they're different killers each time but they're the same problems they're still dealing with somebody pretending to be Ghostface or being Ghostface, killing everybody and they have to figure out who it is and stop them before and it's usually in the same place so then that yeah i feel like i know woodsboro now yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that's the thing is that with the continuation of the movies because the first movie was a meta narrative on horror films in general that the next one scream 2 had to be a meta narrative about sequels but also on top of that it wasn't just a narrative about sequels in general but it was also a meta narrative about itself mm-hmm. and about because of the stab movies the stab franchise yeah. that's established mm-hmm. in the in yep. that in in these movies which is great because you get to be able to talk about the silliness sometimes of horror movies but at the same time having this very in a way deep discussion about what horror movies are and what they mean to people and so much more it's 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 i'm like having a hard time with my thoughts but it's it's just a great to me it's just so great of a series because it's so good at doing not only speaking about itself but about horror movies in general and also about speaking about the times that those Mm -hmm. horror that each movie came out and that's what's made the scream franchise so good is and that's what makes each installment most of the installments very good about not only talking about themselves or sequels or a trilogy or whatever, that they also speak about the, like I said, the horror at the time, horror movies at the time, because things change over time. Horror movies 
affect us differently. We go through cycles. Uh, like we said, the slashers come and go. Uh, other stuff goes on. Um, and so it's it's great. So at the moment we're in like a thriller, like a psychological. We're in thriller. the we're in the we're in the elevated horror period yeah. where, like we said, and and we'll get to this when we talk about Scream Five after you know the the end here, but that that definitely plays into that later. Uh, but you know, we with the first movie, it was just about talking about deconstructing horror movies. These people have grown up with horror movies. They know the tropes. They know the mm-hmm. things. Not only is the killer using that against them, but also the survivors, Sydney, Dewey Gale, all, all of them, Randy, they all have to use that knowledge themselves to fight back and use that against the killers. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's what's great too is that the killers used horror movies to do their kills, to yeah. create this narrative for themselves and to do all this stuff that was interesting. We didn't, you didn't get that too much before this like there wasn't much if anything that really spoke to horror movies and using those as things to kill um there's an 80s movie called fade to black uh where this guy was obsessed with horror movies and he would dress up makeup and costumes and Mm. kill people but beyond that i can't think of anything else that was really like this and that's i think what made it fresh and interesting and what made it such a big hit well, and I think I think there's a couple other things that stood out to me in the first Scream where it's not just playing with the tropes of horror movies within the writing. It's a playing with the tropes of horror movies across the entire production. The the soundtrack, the stings it mm-hmm. uses, it like builds up the tension yeah. and then it falls away because it doesn't actually build up to anything. Right. And so um, it really kind of plays with you as the audience because right. you're used to these things and it kind of is ingrained in you uh as i can't imagine watching it actually when it came out because well that has to have been a completely different experience to have grown up with all of these tropes and then having them undercut in the theater well it's Um, like when uh uh, henry winkler as the principal goes out to like he hears the he hears the noise and he goes out and he opens the door and there's nothing there yeah and then he turns around he scares himself you know so there's all these moments where you're just like oh my god this like tension is ramped up and then you get like this oh okay then he then he goes out and you know he goes out a second time because he hears a noise and he opens the door and there's the janitor Wes Craven dressed as Freddy Krueger, by the way. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, you guys know that. Everybody yeah. in the audience knows it, but that's hilarious to me. But you know, so then that also is a joke. You know, everybody's yeah. supposed to laugh at that. Oh my god, that's hilarious, Freddy Krueger. You know, and then he comes back in, closes the door, boom, killed. You yeah. know, and so it's like you're like so many. You're supposed to be getting by yeah. that point where he gets killed. You've been like up and down, up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm. That you're just like. Okay, nothing's going to happen. We're out there obviously not. Yeah. Oh my god, you know. Yeah. So and then the other thing I was going to say was that with Scream uh and especially with the first one, they make the killers very human, which is mm, also yes. very atypical for slasher yes. films that came before <laughs> that, especially with Freddy versus Jason and or not Freddy versus Jason, but Freddy, Freddy and, and Jason. Jason. Yeah. Michael Myers. Uh, Michael Myers. These and, unstoppable and, and killers. Like, uh, these unstoppable killers who resurrect from the dead and like have all of these um have all these tropes, which also 
comes up inside of Scream is yeah. the killer resurrecting from the dead. Yeah. With the killer being a real person, you get really fun things like how the ghost face costume is just a Halloween costume. Yep. It's a dime store costume that you can pick up anybody anywhere. Anybody can buy. Anybody can get it. And that plays into the movie, too, because then exactly. everybody starts buying it and starts terrorizing the halls mm-hmm. of the school. Exactly. And then um, the the other aspect of that is is that oftentimes you'll you'll see Ghostface trip or fall or, yeah. like, yeah. get hit in the face and actually, like... Get, get hurt get hurt whiplash get knocked out and yeah. like actually like they're they're a real person inside that yeah. mask and it's it, it it adds it adds a certain level of hilarity at the fact that like this is just a normal guy and then at the other side of the coin actually somewhat at least for me like kind of some genuine terror yeah at the fact that like this person is a real person yeah. like this is not a supernatural killer this isn't someone i uh, in my brain can disassociate with the fact that someone like this wouldn't really exist um that this is just the fantasy of a movie it's like no this is actually kind of spooky because this is kind of somewhat real real. yeah it makes me like kind of think of (laughs) scooby-doo because those those people in the costumes in scooby-doo weren't unstoppable mm-hmm. usually. yeah right so yeah. and then they just they get knocked out or they get like somehow entrapped and then they well, get scooby-doo always had those so, awesome rube goldberg-esque well, and, and, you know so traps that they would do so. and a large part of a large part of the scream franchise is that you get to the end of the movie and the killers are at the top of their game they've gotten everyone like lined up for the slaughter and they're like all right and wait where's this person or yeah. like or and they they you realize that like they're they're fallible like mm-hmm. they 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 miss things and they yeah. they can get tricked and and that's making that's mistakes kind of, is human yeah and so yeah exactly is... well and and this was a, also another thing that i thought is cool about it too is that there's not just one killer other than one movie scream mm-hmm. 3 Every movie has two killers. Mm-hmm. It's cool because you think through the you think through the whole movie it's just one person in the first one anyway. Yeah. By the second one, you're expecting two killers. Yeah, you're like, exactly. okay, there's got to be another one. But in that first movie, you're like, this guy is everywhere. How is he doing this? Mm-hmm. Like he's really quick. He's really fast. And it's because there's two of them, and that and that's the one and, supernatural aspect right. of Ghostface. Well, and it sets it up to seem supernatural. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god! And then also, it because of that, because of the two killers, it also throws the suspicion. It makes it hard for the audience and even the people mm-hmm. in the in the movie itself to figure out who the actual killers are. Because, well, wait, Billy was actually in jail when another phone call was made. How does that work? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's it, that is very cool for me that one the they're they're human, they're not unstoppable, they get hurt, but also that there's two of them. It's just that's what Scream changed the game mm-hmm. for a lot of stuff, and and nobody's been able to, and thankfully nobody's been able to really recreate it. Um, nobody's really stolen that formula. Think thankfully and just. It's scream and scream, and you just let that alone. Mm-hmm. So, no, so that's I mean, what I love about it's, it. Like that's again, that's why 
Scream is so unique in terms of the yeah. horror landscape is that it it is this wonderful deconstruction of the genre while also paving its own path like paving its own path and generating yeah. its own tropes and yeah. um kind of making itself its own genre of horror yeah and it's directed by a director of one of the most well-known mm-hmm. franchises in yeah. horror yeah. who uses those iconic tropes yep. mm-hmm. so to subvert his own tropes that he yep. used in his own movies mm-hmm. and is, sometimes created is kind yeah. of iconic like yep. so now west craven west craven was like one of the masters of horror um you know he was his his filmography is kind of up and down you know you can question some of his movies here and there like shocker or whatever but you know he made three of the most iconic uh movies he made last house on the left mm-hmm. which you know was huge in the 70s he made nightmare on elm street which created the whole freddy krueger phenomenon and mm-hmm. then he helped co-create the scream franchise so mm-hmm. you know and and that's what helped the with the consistency of the whole franchise as well is because you had one director and you had mostly one writer in kevin williamson mm-hmm. he he wrote all of them except for uh the third one and the new one and but in the new one he kevin williamson's a an executive producer and so that was what was great was you still had somebody there that was a part of it that, you know, not just the actors, but also somebody who was a, a, a source to go to for advice or whatever. And so, you know, we'll get to that later. And but for, for what it's worth, I also feel that the thing that really benefits Scream is the writing, because I think that when it comes to the writing, it there were a lot of movies that came out around the time that Scream did mm-hmm. that just don't hold up today because they were written mm-hmm. in a certain decade and a certain zeitgeist mm-hmm. and they just, they're either very 90s or they're very early yeah. 2000s yeah. and they have a certain vibe to them. And, 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 and Scream has a little bit of that, but for the most part, it's pretty timeless. Yeah, there's a timeless quality to it that I think that, you know, I mean, well... Here's the thing. I don't even necessarily think that it's timeless, that it exists in that 90s aesthetic and and stuff, but it's better. It's definitely going to be immortal, but it's definitely more about that, that it transcends that time period. Yes, it's in that time period. It's very much yeah. late 90s, mid to late 90s, but it's also, it's... It could easily be a period movie today. Like yeah. Where it's just that... It's set in the 90s, and this is our snapshot of what the 90s look like. It doesn't have all of those very kind of like 90s-isms that kind of were in cinema To an extent. It's got some definite references. Um, You know, Stu saying, as if, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so so there's a few, like, little things here and there. But again, it's commenting about the times, which is fine. You know, so it's good for that. It, it, it definitely, this franchise will definitely stand the test of time because of the consistency and quality throughout uh, the entire franchise. Because no matter what you, there's people who will argue, like I've seen in the wake of this new movie that people have been doing their own redos of, not redos, but they've been putting their own order of what, what their favorite movies are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, number one usually gets the top spot for sure, because I mean, it, it really needs to. It's the it's the most iconic. It's the one that started it all. Beyond that, you know, some people think the second one is 
the next best. Uh, some people put the new one as their next favorite. You know, it, it. But so those other ones, no matter what, the quality and consistency, nobody says, typically, nobody says that any of them suck. Mm-hmm. That they're all part of the same franchise. They're all great. A lot of people don't like number three, but they're wrong. <laughs> and we'll get to that. But I think that's what makes it great as a whole, as a, as a franchise and everything. It's just that consistency and quality. Yeah. Um, which, you know, going into literally a year later, they fast-tracked a sequel to get it out there. Because they're like, oh my god, this made so much money. Let's do it again. And so then we pick up, what, two years later? Sydney and Randy are in college. Mm-hmm. And the killings have started again. Yep. And this time it's at her college or near her college. So it's obviously targeting her again and mm-hmm. chaos ensues. And of course it's maybe the boyfriend, whatever, but then Dewey and Gail show up and my favorite, like, look, number two is probably my least favorite of the movies. It's fine. It's a good movie. I, I enjoy it, but I think that number two retreads a lot of the same ground that the first one does. It does pick up a lot of the sequel. Like they said, it, it does a lot of the sequel rules and changes yeah. a bunch of stuff. Um, or doesn't change. But it, it it ups the ante. You know, Gorier kills, blah, blah, blah. But I just think that it retreads a lot of the same ground. And I think that because it, it came so quickly after the first movie that they didn't have time to really do what like the first one and what the later ones do is make a commentary on horror or itself in in Mm. in ways that they get better they get more meta they get they get um uh like they do later on but the second one i i enjoy the second one i don't remember where i was going with this (laughs) um but katrina Um, you do you have any thoughts on the second one, we've, we we cut you out so, a lot. Um, no, You've been very quiet. It didn't cut me out. I just wanted you guys to finish what you were saying, <laughs> and then you never finished what you were saying, so I kept quiet. Um, well, go ahead. Um, say what you want to say. But, I mean, the second one, I literally just, just go to Harrison. I'll chime in. I'm assuming you were... Oh, leading okay. Into I was leading Dewey into my thing. favorite Dewey. Yes, like I that's was, what I, yes, that's thank what you. I thought you were leading I was into going it. to talk about one of my favorite movies in the whole franchise is that okay. So the year before 1996, the movie Broken Arrow came out, which is a crazy John Woo movie with John Travolta and Christian Slater. Uh, it's great. It's schlocky. To me, I love it. But in there, there's a there's a musical cue whenever John Travolta shows up. But they use the same musical cue for every time Dewey walks up, and I love it. It cracks me up. It gives him this level of importance, but also like undercutting it at the same time. Because yes, Dewey's a goofy dude. He can be really goofy, especially because when he gets like in the movies when he tries to act tough, he gets all weirdly like. Oh, I'm gonna get all tough, but it doesn't. It definitely doesn't come across that way. And so, when he he's better when he's just being himself. And I think, he's just, I think he also like throws in some voice breaks and stuff like that whenever he's like trying to get all tough. Like yeah. And so it's he he is very much the like 
like oh i'm gonna protect everyone kind of yeah. character um and uh and that's usually when he gets you know knocked down or yeah, whatever exactly. <laughs> so but yeah it's it th- for me like the the dynamic between dewey gale and sydney continues their bond grows it's still like still cantankerous from the first one uh through all of them but you can see them growing um as a unit better they also have their own lives and everything else going on but you can see that they're starting to get bonded by this they were already bonded by the first one but they're getting that deeper bond which i mean that sucks that should not be bonding them this whole ordeal should not be bonding them but it does and it's something that i enjoy in the franchise Mm -hmm. and like i said the kills get crazier we get some good kills we get some good randy giving us the rules you know randy was always one of my favorite characters just because you know he's the he's the geek who knows all the nerd stuff and that's always been me i've always been the comic book nerd who knew a lot of marvel comic stuff yeah Yeah, no i mean scream 2's got its got its high points um i think i agree that it's somewhat of a retread on the first one Uh, i think that's mostly due to how rushed of a production it probably was and they just kind of had to like do what they could Um, i think it's i think it's a great movie regardless of any rush or anything else that they did I, I don't have a problem with the movie at all. It's just my least favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was rushed. There's no, You can't feel like it's rushed. It just, like I said, it feels like it's a retry, especially because the boyfriend was actually supposed to be one of the killers. And they had to change it because that got leaked. Yeah. Oh, and so, huh? I said, oh, damn, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it got leaked. And so they're like, I'm oh, glad crap, they did. Now that, we got to change been, it. Yeah, because it would have sucked to be worse. the boyfriend again. Yeah. That would have been even worse yeah. of a retread. Yeah. Um, but I... So I think I think my criticisms of Scream Two is is that um, and again there's there's a lot that Scream Two does right. I really like the final scene on stage. I think that's a great yeah. metaphor and a great um, uh, great kind of cinematic parallelism. Yeah. Um, with all of that, what I find somewhat odd about it is is that can't remember his name, but one of the killers. He basically just disappears Mickey. for ha- like yeah. for half the movie, and so for for what it's worth, I mean, it's not necessarily too hard to guess that the guy who disappears right. like halfway through the movie ends up being one of the killers, right. um, because uh, there really is, from my memory, there really isn't any r- real explanation for it, no. and and generally he also seemed very hostile. To Randy or uh, well, yeah, because they were the both versa. like the movie geeks who were like you know jockeying for position. Yeah. Well, and here here's I think part of the issue with that movie too is that because yes, Mickey was part of their friend group, but he was kind of like a side like member of the group. And then spoilers because you know these movies are old, but you know the other killer was Billy's mom. Yeah. And which. You know, you had no idea that that was going to happen, which is great, you know. But for both of them, you know, everybody suspected Mickey. You know, mm-hmm. I remember when people were talking about it, they're all like, oh, yeah, we all suspected it was probably going to be Mickey. You know, he's a crazy looking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, you know, movie fan that looks like he was going to kill people. Well, but... also, and also to that point, like the the hostile reporter was yeah. like was also like generally like yeah, but not she just seemed like such a she just seemed people just involved like a, in yeah, her she just, son's yeah like 
Dev. But even then, she um, just seemed annoying and it d- didn't seem like it would be like, oh, well, yeah, she's the killer. Like, and, and so that was a that was yeah. a good curveball because you didn't really expect her. You kind of expected Mickey, but you really yeah. didn't expect her to be a part of it until you know it came out and it was like, oh, okay, she's she's there. She's manipulating it all. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. You know. So I think the stuff with Cotton Weary though was. Um... I, I personally like the stuff with Cotton Weary yeah. because mm-hmm. I feel like they barely touched on it in the yeah. first one. So having that, having more context yeah. of everything and then also having him being a red herring was also. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, no, that I will, I will give so, it that, that yeah, the Cotton Weary stuff was really good for that part. Sorry. Um, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot that Cotton Weary. Yeah. It's the, yeah. part of that movie. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I do agree. I did like the Cotton Weary stuff. I think that that was a really good add to the story. And having him, like, basically working with Gale, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, Gale so, was yeah. there to try yeah, and get so, him to uh, get him yeah. to, com- like, not confront, but to get some forgiveness from, or not forgiveness, but to get some he was trying closure. to. He was trying closure. to, like get fame and like rebuild yeah. his life yeah. um after prison yeah. for being falsely accused of killing her mom um, yeah. killing her Sydney's mom, mom yeah. and so so that um that that was that was an interesting side story to all that also i mean just in general like it's it's kind of kind of hilarious that someone would even think cotton would have killed someone because the way that he acts in the movie he acts more like a just like a bumbling like guy who's at times kind he's of like, kind of sinister at times he's a little too. Bit yeah. Yeah. Like when yeah, he's but i think it's, when he's talking to sydney yeah. but definitely the at the end. station yeah. when he's talking to sydney i'm pretty sure in the police station i think that's where he talks to her at. i don't know I there's a few he talks to her in a few places yeah, yeah. Well, i think they're on like the stairs or something and he's he's just being a real freak to her and it's yeah. really fucking i weird. think that's actually at the university yeah because okay, she's freaking yeah. out about somebody iming her like messaging is, yeah. her is number two no, I I'm I was trying You're to remember which one McDreamy is in. <laughs> that's number three. Yeah, that's so. that's what I thought. Derek uh-huh. Shepard, aka I can't remember his real name. <laughs> He's only McDreamy. Uh-huh. So yeah, so uh-huh. I mean, Patrick Dempsey. That's his name. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Dempsey. Uh-huh. So yeah, so I mean, uh-huh. we can go into number three now. Yeah. Uh, so number three for me is one of my favorites for pretty much up until the new one. And I mean, even still kind of now, number three has always been like my second favorite and a high second favorite because, because of the reasons that a lot of people don't like it. It leaned into the comedy a lot more. Um, so you got a lot more of these comedic beats, but it was still like tense. It wasn't it's, like it, they didn't ratchet down the, the, the tenseness. Maybe they ratcheted down the horror a little bit, but because there was so much comedy that would then get undercut by, you know, the scares or a kill or something going on that, you know, it was this like, I don't know. For me, it 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 worked on a better level because of the the comedy that people don't like. You know, people don't like the Jay and Silent Bob or in it, and I love that. I mean, yeah. being a big Kevin Smith fan, that was hilarious to me, and so. For me, that was huge. Well, so, and I mean, it like it's so weird to not not enjoy, not necessarily not enjoy, but not 
or sorry, actively dislike something like that when right. these movies are active deconstructions of cinema and right. like and the film industry and having nineties like nineties figures like Jane Simon Bob show up yeah. and it's just like it's just like really like yeah. they're here and like yeah. and it's just that kind of added level of like like good lord like yeah. <laughs> well is, and in a way a that that like that is actually talking about you know because this one is actually set on in hollywood with the Let's on the production of another stab movie yeah you know so we've got which is so good because again like no go quick, ahead. i don't mean to interrupt no, you ahead. but um I, I remember you telling me recently about how some people are um separating them into oh wait no it wasn't you um it was um one of my uh one of my co-workers was talking to me about how um a lot of people are separating them into word woodsboro movies and non-woodsboro movies okay. um and well, there's only two um, that were non-woodsboro and there were three that were Woodsboro. yeah and yeah. so um but in regards to that what i really like about number three you get a little bit of both um you get a yeah, little yeah. you get a little yeah, bit of true. the woodsboro house inside yeah. of the hollywood set and and it's like really well done yeah. and it, i really and, like and the for, scene where they're like in the set up house and there's all these drops and doors that don't yeah, go anywhere so good that it's, sequence is yeah. so good and having her like 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 kind of climbing on the inside of the yeah. scaffolding like to yeah. get away from Ghostface, like that's and then well, having and, the whole like the mother within the in the, the bed. body bag yeah, the, thing yeah, yeah it was and, fucking crazy and and because again that's my thing is that i really enjoyed this movie um in particular because it for for all of the comedy it had it really touched on the trauma that Sydney yeah. has with oh, both yeah. her no, mother dying. No, this one dying, was very much about the, the trauma. She the moved Woodsboro out to like, mountains and um and yeah. and all of that. And that's a huge like plot point of the movie is just how afraid she is and mm-hmm. how she doesn't want to confront this and she doesn't want to have to go through this again. Um, and the Woodsboro house moment is so critical to yeah. all of that. Yeah. Um, and uh. And just having it be this, like, honestly surreal experience of opening up doors to, like, no floors and running up to, like... I feel like a part of that, too, is that she's, like, reliving that. Mm-hmm. Like when exactly. when she's going through that, so she's expecting something to be behind that door, but there's nothing there. Yeah. So she's coming back to reality. Well, yeah, because it was her point. house. It's a yeah. recreation yeah. of her house. So she, yeah. I feel like there's a part of that where she's just expecting things to happen and they're house. just not there. Yeah, it was her it, house because yeah, it had house. the doors that like she would close, like the closet door, so that it wouldn't open up her bedroom door. Yeah, so that's a yeah. This oh. is her house. Okay, <laughs> sorry. So my she bad. yeah. So then, uh, but this is also another aspect of it that's interesting too. Because one, this is only one killer. This is the only movie with one killer in it, mm-hmm. and you know it's. It, but this one also has some almost supernatural aspects to it because mm-hmm. you know she's she's having these dreams. She's getting this like somebody's messing with her outside her home. Somebody's mm-hmm. messing like yeah. in the house. You know he's walking around under that body bag using her voice yeah. to 
like mess with her and like basically becoming the ghost of her mother. I'm gonna be honest, I never realized that that was Ghostface doing that shit. I literally <laughs> thought that it was a ghost. I literally thought that a was Sydney just going insane. No, no. Oh, well, I mean, it might have been a hallucination. But it was her, yeah, that's but what it was I thought. Not, was that it, it was, was a him messing with her? No, because they reveal I, that later. I, is, I, I guess I just didn't pay attention yeah. to that part where they revealed it, yeah. but. I literally I, just thought Sydney was hallucinating. So after after Scream Two, and we had the you know, the the revelation that they'd made a movie based on, the, on the events and stab. Yeah. Then we get to this mo- this movie where there she's actually having to, you know, be around the cast and crew of this peop of these people who are making this movie about her life, mm-hmm. and you know, and and meeting these people, meeting this like. You know Parker Posey as this version of Gail Weathers, which mm-hmm. I love. That this was one of my favorite things is I love Parker Posey, and so getting to have her and uh, Courtney Cox team up and investigate stuff was great. That that mm-hmm. whole sequence is just oh, so much gold to me, and that's why I'm like, how can you not like this movie? Like, and I know people like it, but they just don't like it as much. But it's just like, but how? Why? This movie's so good. It's got so many good, like goofy well, things and, like that that but even even with those goofy things it the writing is so well done in my opinion that it does such a good job about establishing some of the weird things like the fact that the ending of the movie is in this like funhouse mansion of, yeah. like opening doors and stuff like that but it sets it up as this is a place where like this is a hollywood mansion with a lot of secret rooms yeah. for like really like the sex parties like, were like sex like that. parties and as well Was as there, like, like a two-way mirror like, kind of thing like yeah, casting, in the bedroom yeah, like that's... casting couch oh, things God, and stuff so fucking freaky well it's like it's almost like a hallway too because they like go into the yeah, hallway mm-hmm. and then it goes into the closet and then they're behind it and it's soundproof too because they're banging on the inside like ah and like Dewey and Gail can't hear them Mm -hmm. and meanwhile Ghostface is coming in and killing them you know and so they don't know they're dying because that's the thing is that house like when you get past the whole like Scooby-Doo-ness of that house (laughs) this is probably the most Scooby-Doo of the movies too like that that house is actually genuinely a horror object in the movie as much as anything else because yeah. you 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 think no. about like it, it's again like the movie like the, all the movies are co- commentaries on a lot of different things yeah. and this movie is more or less a commentary on hollywood itself well, it's on, a commentary like, on hollywood. hollywood it's a commentary on trilogies of course like like you know we get it we get an, another randy moment via tape mm-hmm. this time that we get the rules of the trilogy and so R.I.P. Randy. Um, <laughs> so we get we get this uh, this new these new set of rules that you know break it down for us. And, you know the killer's going to be almost seem superhuman. You're going to get all this mm-hmm. exposition, this backstory that you didn't know that you know, and it's like it's true. And then like you really think about stuff like you know, like Jedi. You know, mm-hmm. you think about yeah. these things. It's like oh my god, trilogies are really like this. Oh my what? Mm-hmm. Like, also, it's really funny that you mentioned Jedi because Carrie Fisher herself is in this fucking exactly. movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah. I, no, there's lots of little, and that's one of the things is like you know people talk about this movie and they don't talk about. I mean, they do talk about it, but like this is why I hate when people dismiss it as being just like dumb or not as good as the other one. 
So there's this one scene from the movie that I like. I didn't ever associate with number three. I just associated it with Scream. Uh-huh. So when I rewatched three, I was like, oh, so this is the movie it's coming from. Was I always just had this memory of Scream in my head where they get a fax and they're yep. stuck in yeah. the house mm-hmm. yep. and then they start rolling down the hill and then Ghostface is at the bottom and they're in a car and at the car and then he goes under the car and then he's gone. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like what is that entire fucking sequence? Like that is <laughs> a fucking insane sequence where yeah. they're yeah. where it's the it's the fax machine and then it's the fucking oil like the gas and then the fire yeah. and then they're all fucking rolling down the hill barely alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. That the fact scene sticks with me a lot too. No. Um, for and whatever I, reason. And again, and I think you guys like, remember this one. Uh, can Can you whatever? guys tell that we really like Scream Three? And <laughs> yeah. We well, disagree with everyone who doesn't like it. Well, I think part of it I is. I feel like be- it's also just because you watched that's what it I was a ton. Say, so that's like part Scream of our Three was one of my favorites, and I watched it a lot because it's great. And so because it's funny, because it's fun, it's funny. It. It takes everything from the first two movies, uh, twists it all, changes the narrative, and ends things on, you know, a good note or whatever. But it's just fun to me. And And it brings back Dewey's theme. I, no, 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 it no. It doesn't? No, that one doesn't have Dewey's theme. Never mind but It doesn't? I don't think so. I don't remember. I'm pretty remember. sure it does. I'm I pretty sure so. it has the broken arrow. All right, well, I'll have to... I, it's, it's actually been a little bit since I've watched it, so... But... <laughs> But, yeah, I used to watch it a lot when you guys were kids. This is probably the one I watched the most when you guys were kids. And so Mm -hmm. this is probably why you guys remember it so much. The facts part of it almost seems kind of like a Final Destination scene. So (laughs) Yeah, kind of, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, a little bit. Well, I mean, it's... It's shot like a Final Destination. Yeah, scene that's what where I mean. It shows the it shows the gas line, and then it shows. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh like, God, that's a that's a great like camera. Yeah. Yeah, well, and because you're because they're having to sit there and the lights go out and they're like, oh my god, we're getting we're getting script pages. What's this? And mm-hmm. then they're like reading. Which again, okay, how was the fax working when the lights like all the power was out? <laughs> how was the fax machine still working? I Everybody, mean, I guess they could have turned off. That's like, that's a quibble breaker, I have with it. Like breaker. Yeah, stuff? they could have just turned off one breaker or like mm-hmm. the breakers, the lights or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so then they're like, you know, having to read like, oh my god, you know, they got to get out of the house. What? And then like, you know. Mm-hmm. some of them realize before and then you know just disintegrate uh, one of them doesn't <laughs> yeah but uh yeah no we th- this one was such a fun movie for me and you guys because this one came out in 2000 so harrison you would have been three when it came out and uh, i would have been negative two <laughs> mm-hmm. yes but because <laughs> i love the movies you've we watched them a lot and you got to see them a lot but this uh can lead us into number four now and number four is probably the one I've seen the least out of them because yeah. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I, I like it. I like what it says. It's a mer- uh, This one is a meta narrative about fame and about internet fame, like mm. cr- creating your your brand online or whatever, you know, yeah. because throughout it, you get the two guys who are constantly like video blogging mm-hmm. and you know, you mean vlogging vlogging yeah vlogging before vlogging was a thing yeah mm-hmm. so well no i think at the time it was a thing because um this was what 2010 2011 i can't remember the yeah actually oh, okay well then so, yeah it would have just been yeah so i mean we were we were in the social media well yes we were in the social media age twitter was out facebook was out uh probably myspace was still around but mm-hmm. you know whatever 
But so we have these guys walking around creating this, like, you know, always talking about horror movies, always like, you know, and, and, and they grew up in Woodsboro in the aftermath of all these killings. And, you know, for them, at least the only killings that happened in town were the original killings, the stuff at the university and the stuff in Hollywood that was slightly removed. And in this one, Sydney's coming back. She's doing a book book tour. This is the last stop on our book tour. And she's mm-hmm. doing it in Woodsboro. And of course, what the fuck's happening? Ghostface is on the loose again. Mm-hmm. So, and this time, again, this is a, a meta narrative on fame, trying to get famous for whatever reasons mm-hmm. you know you want to get famous for. And spoiler alert, Jill, her cousin, yes, cousin, cousin, is the killer, and she wants to be famous like Sydney for being a victim who yeah. survives. Mm-hmm. And Yep. We get so I mean, and that's what was great was we get we get Randy two point in a in a way with Kirby who's yeah. also like the boys know horror but she fucking trounces them and yeah. you know we we get we get some great stuff with her by this point the relationship between Dewey and Gail had they in the third movie they they hadn't quite gotten together yet yeah but between the third and the fourth movie they had gotten married and their marriage was no their marriage was good she was just dissatisfied with living in woodsboro yeah she Um, wanted to she wanted to still be out being the gail weathers that she always was yeah and you know dewey was content just being the sheriff of woodsboro Mm -hmm. and that just it just rubbed against them the wrong way they were just incompatible in that way and so that was kind of the the stuff uh going in with that one but this one like i said this one i haven't watched as much so i don't have as as i like it a lot but i don't have as as deep connection to it as the mm-hmm. first three i have only watched it once I yeah katrina only literally watched it today before the episode so i honestly consider it the weakest um really? film of the what would it be now the quintopology <laughs> Um, the scream saga yeah the scream saga um i would say that it's the weakest of the scream saga and uh uh, and uh uh but it's not bad like again there isn't a bad scream movie um yeah it's just that i consider it the weakest one because it the the central narrative of it seems very it kind of feels kind of jumpy to me a little bit where it's jumping between Dewey being sheriff and like kind of having to like manage the whole town and right. actually like try to make sure that like there's enough security around it while Gail is doing her investigative journalism and she's going yeah. to like the barn party and yeah. like all that stuff. And then Sydney is honestly like that's the thing is like I again I haven't watched it as often as the others, but yeah. I really don't remember what Sydney was doing beyond Sydney was trying to protect her cousin. Yeah. Right. Sydney yeah. was trying to protect her cousin from it. Um, right. Irony. Angel uh, of death, as the one character says. Yeah. Olivia. And so, um, yeah, no. I, so my ranking pre-new one was one, three, four, and two. Because I do think that four is a stronger movie than two is, in, in my personal opinion. Again, this is what I was saying before, that the best movies are the ones that, 
talk about something new in horror. And this was talking about like true, yeah, okay. fame, you know, yeah. and and getting that 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 internet fame or whatever. And not something new necessarily in horror, but something new in movies or or culture or something else like that. And so it's it's referencing the older movies. It's you're still getting the stab um, stuff because they're watching Stab at the barn, yeah. and so you're getting this. You're still getting that reverence to the the stab okay. movies to the original One thing i killings did and like about four is its start i like that it starts off yes. with the like like stab like stab four yeah. stab five and yeah. then like it just goes and goes and goes and yeah. like it you you see this like de-evolution of yeah. like of of the stab movies well, themselves because also it's kind a of fourth... falling into like the traps of like multiple horror sequels. Right. And... Because it's the fourth movie in a franchise, then you're like, okay, well, you know, we we're kicking this dead horse again. Yeah. You know, is this, do we have something new to say? Well, yes, we do actually with scream. They did have something new to say. And that was what was great. And I saw somebody mention that, that scream works best with distance with every new one coming out, you want to give it a few years to speak about something new mm. in horror, in the culture, in movies yeah. in general. That's why the second one was just kind of... I think, and that's why I think the second one is a little bit weaker. It's a good movie. Again, it's a great movie. But I think it's weaker because it doesn't have as much to say. Yes, it has stuff to say about sequels, but not so much about anything else on another level yeah. whereas the Nothing other ones culturally or right um, or horror genre right and i mean people can argue the same thing with number three because that came out in 2000 which was three years after the second one but i think that one had a little bit of distance to it that you could talk about you know trilogies you could talk about you know horror in general um at talk that point because you could talk about hollywood yeah and 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 the, the way they 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 pump out the 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 trilogies the yeah. sequels and stuff like that that one itself was really talking about because the second one couldn't really talk about sequels so much because it was talking about stab one mm -hmm. you know that was the only one they could reference and then so then the new one in number three they could talk about the the stab franchise and how yeah. at that point it was spinning in its wheels and so well now we're at number four and it's really spinning its wheels mm -hmm. and so at least with the scream movies they have weathered it and come up with something new and interesting and fun each time even with number four being my least watched is still for me a, a great movie because it does have something new to say and it brings new characters but with your favorites in there again the people who've survived it again you've got dewey you've got gail you've got sydney and you get this batch of new characters to like and to cheer for and you know get sad over their deaths or whatever and you get a new motivation for the killer and so yeah. that's not necessarily connected to any of the original motivation because the first three are definitely about Sydney's family yeah. and, and the repercussions of all of that. Whereas this one, I mean, yes, number four is Sydney's family again, but it's this somebody trying to glom on to her fame yeah. more than anything else. You know, oh, Sydney's going to be the one who dies and now I get to be the new Sydney. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting for me in that way. And, and I enjoy it. I just haven't watched it as much as I did the other three, like I said. So uh, Katrina just saw it today and was a little bit more fresh on it. Um, any insights? I was not expecting it to be the guy who it was at the end. 
Oh yeah, her. I was her not second. expecting yeah. that. Yeah, they do a decent job in that movie covering up his involvement. Yeah, I already knew it was going to be the cousin because I read the synopsis oh. like on the way oh. to go see the new one. Right. Because I needed context. Well, and here's mm. another thing that I think is interesting too, because I mean we don't get like in the horror world. Nev Campbell is definitely a a scream queen of sorts for sure. But like you know, people are really starting to hype it a lot more recently i think not that they ever weren't but because she doesn't really do much else in the horror world and she's got just this franchise that people haven't really given her some people haven't given her her due props but i also think that here's the thing emma roberts uh has done a lot in horror too and we don't talk about her enough she was on scream Mm -hmm. queens she was in the black coat's daughter she's in lots of horror stuff that she really i mean she was in uh american horror story Mm, uh, yeah. so she she definitely is not getting she gets it here and there but i d- definitely don't hear a lot of people talking about her being as big a horror icon as i think she really is i think she's more of a horror icon than a lot of people have given her credit for um so that was kind of what was great too about it is you're because i think it's one of her first things in horror and since then she's gone on and done more and so she obviously enjoys the genre, and I think, yeah, like I said, I think she deserves more credit for that because I mean she did great in it. Yeah. So, but overall, I I I I love the Scream franchise. You know, we're gonna go ahead and talk about the fifth one here in a moment, but uh, we're wrapping up the original four right now. Any last thoughts on the original four? Like I said, all great films. They do a great job at what they do. And yeah. I think that our our culture is better for having them. <laughs> it, it gives well, you something to consider while you're watching your horror movie about um, the greater tropes of horror as well as yeah. just the greater tropes of cinema. Well, because it's not just a mindless, like, you know, slasher that you're just watching for the fun kills and whatever else. You know, you can, you, and there's nothing wrong with those. I love those, but this is one that, like you said, it's a deconstruction. It's got the meta narratives. It's got all this stuff that goes into it that gives it these more layers that you can chew into that are more fun and interesting than just a regular slasher is. It's elevated horror. (laughs) I was going to say that too. Yeah. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna use that because a lot of people talk about elevated horror and uh, Hereditary and Get Out, mm-hmm. all these movies. I I in a way, I'll give it that. You know, I think that it is, there is a certain elevation to it. Nobody in the horror community, like in the true horror fans, hate the term elevated horror because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's elevated or not. Like it's it's that's the thing for people to say to sit there and go oh well we can give this movie an award this yeah. is a hereditary an award but we're not going to give these other movies the awards because they're just cheap schlock in this way your definition for this i do believe is elevated horror because it definitely elevates the genre in in good ways it's not like in any way dismissing the genre no it, it embraces it's... it and in in all its forms and 
and moves it forward. As much as it's a deconstruction, it's a celebration yeah, of exactly. horror and, and those tropes. Yeah. And and that's why it points at them because yeah. it's it's like, hey, this is a genre that we all watch, we all love, and we know you watch it because you wouldn't get these like the references like these references or these like playing on the tropes that we do in these movies otherwise right. and so it this is scream more than a lot of other franchises is definitely a, a movie series for the for the viewer for the fans for the yeah, fans like, yeah. like for the viewers of those movies it's a it's a mystery to solve while you're watching the film it's a it just kind of plays on all of your expectations yeah it's because like for me personally i think when i view scream i'm not viewing it as this extended like other universe that's not like that has like this crazy killer michael myers or this freddy krueger with like this scissor hands whatever so it's like it's shut up (laughs) I'm not as into horrors. Edward Freddy hands. Yes. <laughs> Freddy Edward, scissor hands. Yes. Shut up. <laughs> Anyways. So I think that because it it's more relatable. And so it's also in our universe because it mentions these horror movies. Right. So that we can mm. relate to it. And so right. it makes me feel like I'm not just watching some random movie. I'm right. watching people in my own world experience this even though i i know it's like right it's like another universe right basically. no it feels it's, realistic it's it's, it's it's extended from our own right well and I, that's like whenever you watch a zombie movie or a vampire movie and they have no concept of what vampires or zombies are and you're just like uh, what like you've never mm-hmm. had any zombie or walkers. vampire yeah <laughs> you, know, you call them walkers or whatever and that's mm-hmm. fine but i always like it more when Something happens like that. They, they 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 come across vampires or they come across zombies, and they're like, "Oh my god, that's a zombie!" And they know what it is because they've experienced it in pop culture. Yeah. Like that or, one movie was that one movie with Michael Sarah and um, that, Zombieland. Yeah, was that? Did they call them zombies? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, and yeah, I mean to that point where it's. Uh, those movies in particular it's more it's more, that was a michael sarah that was jesse eisenberg but i know what you were talking about yeah <laughs> my uh my we're gonna hate my me. yeah I they are <laughs> uh uh you're not the only one who gets them confused um, <laughs> uh but uh jesse eisenberg was the one and this is the end right just kidding i know oh my that. god stop <laughs> um <laughs> When it when it comes to those when it comes to stuff like that with vampires and zombies and things like that, that's also opportunities to deconstruct horror and have your vampires or zombies be different and have yeah. them like try to shoot the zombies in the head, but it doesn't work. Yeah, and then, and yeah. or you try to stick the vampire oh, in the heart so cool. and it does nothing, and yeah. like and oh. then it's like you kind of have to like you create your own rules and everything, yeah. and so like that's that's opportunities to be creative and like right. do something different with these creatures that we know it's also again, scarier because again you shoot a zombie in the head and it doesn't fucking die that's scarier yeah well and and beyond that it also 
then means that we are more invested in the characters because the characters are experiencing these revelations at the same time we are versus us seeing someone shoot a zombie in the head for the first time and they have no idea what a zombie is right and we're all just like okay yeah and like like because we yeah. all know that you kill a zombie when you shoot him in the head but yeah. they don't and then the moment they, like so we're just s- s- sitting there until they figure it out yeah. to and so yeah it's well that's like for when... the point of scream like scream is a very approachable very right. like true to life kind of slasher film where it's like we are in the same seats as the people in the movie in terms of them trying to figure out who Ghostface well, is and like and we said that is. the killers are using the tropes and so and and the and the people trying to survive are trying to figure out the tropes or whatever and so they're using that knowledge of horror movies in each movie mm-hmm. they're using the knowledge of horror movies to their advantage mm-hmm. you know and so that's what makes these movies great is that it exists in a world like ours and you can imagine that this would actually happen that somebody some killer out there would actually use this kind of knowledge to stage this kind of stuff and that's what makes i think scream also so successful is because it could be our world because it could happen like that it, it gives you that like oh my god you know this is mm-hmm. you know that and then also you know then it talks about the movies you know because we've seen that plenty of times movies about incidences that you know a lot of like not a lot but there are some horror movies that are based on real events you know mm-hmm. that things have happened that you know somebody twisted Conjuring. like ghost face um, is based on a real life serial killer there Gainesville were... Ripper, he's inspired yeah. Yeah. by that yeah. killer. Yeah, so right. it's he's mm. like yeah. it's crazy. Well, and then like you know Leatherface and uh, Norman Bates and stuff yeah. are based on are based off of Ed Gein. So there's there's people in real life that sometimes they take that story and they twist it in a way that is unrecognizable to the original thing, but is still you know, comes off of that real world thing. And so that's what makes Ghostface interesting too. Like you said, it there is there is a real world not basis, but a real world There's a reality. It's, it's an inspiration. There's, yeah, a real yeah. world inspiration for it. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. But that's what makes that's what make that's another reason these movies are great is because like you said, great great insight was that because they're real world feel like they're in a real world to us. They're not it's not a hyper reality. And you know, they like touch we said on earlier topics with... that we touch on in real life. They're not like just kind of hovering over these important topics about horror or Hollywood or right. fame. They're touching on them and they're talking about them. Right. And so it's it Scream and the like the most recent twenty nineteen Black Christmas both feel like they're in our world somewhat because right. they're talking about these important topics. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I agree. All right. All right. So I think that brings us to the end of the, the Scream 1 through 4 discussion. For anybody who uh, doesn't want to be spoiled on the new movie, I suggest you stop here and we'll catch up with you next time. So uh, stay creepy. All right, and for everybody who has stuck around, we're going to jump into some quick Scream 2022 
uh, goodness. We all, I think, uh, enjoyed it immensely. It, it was a great theater experience, I will say. If you have not seen it yes. yet, go see it in the theaters before it. If you can. It, yeah. If you can. Yeah. We understand with yeah. COVID and everything, yeah. theaters, yeah. one, theaters Stay are closed. Safe, wear two, masks, get vaccinated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, with everything going on, you know, I wish they had done VOD. There's so much. I mean, we can get into an argument about this all day long, but if you can, go see it. If you can't, great but if you're here listening to this you probably did watch it the best times so. to the best times to go see the movie are during weekdays in the mornings right those are the best which times is hard for some people to do yeah. but yeah, yeah if you can i mean again if you're listening to this hopefully you've already seen it yeah. so because we're going to spoil some stuff but in either case great film yes. and uh very well done i think uh, i don't know if i'm disappointed or ecstatic at the fact that I guessed the killer before the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, well, so Katrina. When did you? Well, hold on. When did you guess who the killer was? In the middle of the movie, like while you were in the theater. While you in were the, in the, the theater, while okay. I was watching the movie, okay. because See, I I specifically chose not to try and like look at the characters to try and figure out who the killer would be. Yeah. Because so I about, knew there would probably be some. So again, up. real quick, both of both of you guys work in a movie theater, so you have access to posters and you. Know, I mean, mm. you guys see stuff that, not necessarily much before anybody else, but Katrina, go ahead. As soon as we had the like the second version of the screen poster come up, the one where it says the killer is on this poster and it has all of the cast in front of a big ghost face, right? Like mask. Um, I guessed who it was on that day that first day that we had it she up did. Which was she did she sent me a 22nd. picture of the poster and a text saying i think it's this person yeah and i i'm so glad i have a receipt of that because <laughs> i'm never going to stop talking about it <laughs> this is the one thing i'm gonna uh, this, this is this, this is the thing I'm, I'm gonna tell at parties if i ever go to any that's yeah. the thing so well for for myself it was it was more of a kind of like adrenaline fuel thrill moment for myself when I was in the middle of the theater kind of watching it because there's a point in the movie where they discuss how whoever was in whoever assaulted Tara in the first uh, first scene in the movie uh, must be bruised to hell and I mean yes I mean there's a moment where they get like thrown onto a counter um, yeah. in that scene which was hilarious by the way laughed out loud <laughs> in the theater when that happened um but well uh, again we go back to the ghost face is a human person yeah. who can exactly get he's, hurt he's, get like, you they're, know they're a fallible yeah killer in regards to the bruising they mention how one character is bruised and it's red herring but after that point i was really like really keen on trying to find people who had bruising um because i felt like that was a clue i felt like that was the writers leaving a clue to look for for the Somebody audience to kind of bruised, like yeah. try to find someone else who's bruised but it's very like they leave it like kind of innocuous and not in a very obvious place and sure enough there's during the scene where everyone's inside of tara's hospital room all the friends are there they do a kind of like pan across the hospital room from right to left and um god i'm blanking on names but it's amber amber right? yeah. yes amber. um amber um you get you get a moment where you look into her blouse a little bit and you just see that her entire upper chest is bruised to hell it's just 
red and Which I didn't brown. Catch. Yeah. Um and I caught it and I like I stuck with it for the rest of the movie where I was like, if it's her, I knew it and I called it right. and I saw I actually saw something. Because <laughs> that's the thing, is like when you're watching the movie you never know if you're actually seeing something or if you're just making stuff up because right. you want to see something. But I, I again, I went in not really considering who might be the killer or not. Right. I didn't look at the poster. I wanted yeah. to kind of go in a little yeah. bit blind. And I try not to whenever I'm watching these movies. I don't. I, I try not to guess who it is because I neither. just like the enjoyment of yeah. it unfolding. Exactly. Um, and that's how I am with most movies, especially like any kind of mystery thing where they're trying to figure out who the killer is or whatever. And I'm not just like, I just like to let it unfold yeah. and let me figure it like don't just tell me the story I, I i like that part of it i don't like trying to figure it out myself because one i'm probably not going to figure it out uh and two if i do figure it out it's probably going to disappoint me in some yeah. way it's like when i watched malignant and i knew what was going on from the opening credits and so i kept waiting for the reveal in that movie and when it finally happened i was like yeah i called it mm-hmm. you know so it's just one of those things now and like i'm in, in this one obviously you know you guys both calling amber like that was great especially katrina calling it from the poster she's just yeah. like that person looks shady <laughs> it was someone like so far in the background and well, everyone and- was like no that's not her like that couldn't be her because she's like blah 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 i think it's this person literally i asked people after the movie came out like i asked like maybe three people like a few days ago who they thought it was on the poster and they all said fucking sydney what the fuck do you not know scream yeah sydney wouldn't be the killer in any way shape or form they were like i think it's sydney and then after i said no they were like okay well what about the girl on the left it was fucking gail no, bitch. That's so fucking annoying. Why Do you would it not be know any Scream? Of the original three people? Like why? Like that does that just baffles me. Why would yeah. anybody? I'm I so, mean, that's I'm obviously so people I'm, who haven't watched the series the very much. If any of my coworkers listen to this, I'm, I'm sorry, if, but that was just fucking stupid. <laughs> um, when it came to that poster, I like I was just playing the like, well, duh, ghost faces. Right yeah, there which is poster. what a lot of people were doing. Like everybody um, was like. Uh, yeah, Ghostface is on the on the thing. Of course, he's the killer. Duh. Um, but uh, on the subject of the main three, I think that not talking about the uh, the the Broken Arrow size. Oh my god! Uh, size, size, I was so happy. Sized elephant in the room. No, no. Okay, so they brought back the theme for Broken Arrow for Dewey when he shows boom, up again. Boom, boom. I was so happy. It was like, so Katri- subtle and so quiet because Katrina and well, I. And it was it was melded into the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. And so, so Katrina and I watched it together. It Harrison got to watch it on the like that. Yeah. So Harrison got to watch it on a on a employee like. Um, I watched it a, a couple days earlier. Yeah. Before. Well, the night before. You got to watch yeah, it the night okay, before yeah. we did. And so then Katrina and I got to watch it the next the next evening. And like when that happened, I got so excited. I was like nudging Katrina. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And so. Cause a, that, a few other people in the audience noticed it too. Yeah. We were like laughing. So yeah. It wasn't just us. No, no. So it was, it was great. And that's again another reason why sometimes it's good to like be with an audience. We had some people in front of us that were kind of like, eh, somebody was on their phone a lot during the whole movie. And then uh, they got 
like loud and rowdy at one point, so I couldn't hear a part, so it kind of frustrated me. But the part where Gail or somebody is threatening Amber at the very end, and yeah, she's like yeah, kind of yeah. like cornered up yeah. against the cabinet, and she's pleading for her life. Right, couldn't hear jack shit what yeah. she was saying. Yeah, so I can't wait for video so I can actually watch it and yeah. enjoy the full thing That's without interruption. But yeah, so um. So the Dewey thing was great, like that, and mm-hmm. and for me, Dewey was the best returning character. Dewey has always oh, been yeah. one of my favorite characters because, you know, he's he's lovable. You know, he's a goofball, but he's the emotional resonance. Yeah, yeah, and so he's he's the heart of it. Sydney's all. the target. Well, Sydney, Sydney's Sydney's the. I wouldn't say she's the target, but Sydney's the. She, I she's guess the, the emotional core of it all because well, it's always been tied to her. She's she's the by what I mean by target is that she's the she's the central plot figure typically yeah. where it's just the but whole Dewey's plot always been circles to around me her, the heart so. of the the heart of uh, of the group and you know he's the one that just his emotions are always on his sleeve he he cares so much about them all and but well, also know, it's just this journey of like. Well, a guy getting injured and getting permanent disability yeah like, from you know and these, booted from uh, like like forced to retire yeah. and then like his marriage obviously failed after the last movie mm-hmm. like sometime between the two and you know he still pines after his wife and they obviously still care for each other yeah. a lot they just they she didn't want to be two in woodsboro lives. and he wanted to stay in woodsboro that that was what was great and and I knew that I knew this was going to mo- be the movie that one of them was finally going to die. And I knew that it was go- as much as it was going to hurt me that I knew it had to be Dewey because Gail, Gail wouldn't have carried as much weight. Mm-hmm. Um, Gail has always been like the kind of like bitchy person. So a lot of people would have been, don't get me wrong. It would have still been like, Oh man, that sucks. She died. But not as much as Dewey dying, especially because Dewey, Dewey's was, the gut punch. Yeah, Dewey was really the gut punch because I mean, if Sydney dies, Sydney, like you said, in a way, Sydney's always been the target. So Sydney dying would have been an inevitability, in a way uh, that Sydney, she her chances ran out, and so Sydney would have, like, okay, I if I had to go through the emotions I would have felt when if I, I any of them had died, it would have been Sydney. I'd have been somewhat mad. Like I, I would yeah. have been, I would have been somewhat angry that Sydney died because yeah. I would have, um, and not like mad at the people who made the movie. No, I'd be mad at Ghostface. Like I'd be yeah. like, I would have like actually. This one finally managed to take her out. Yeah, like, and yeah. and I, they would have really had to have sold me on why this Ghostface was the one to get Sydney. Right. Yeah. Um. And and so that that would have that would have really. Well, and that would have put the movie on a little things. bit of like rocky water for yeah. me where it would have been like you really would have had to have had a compelling ghost face for this um whereas um with dewey that's the emotional gut punch that's the like we just lost the like the good-hearted character that right. has been through all of this franchise so far well, his sister died in the yeah, first one you know it's so just like rough. he's watched his friends die uh, you know, he survived Ghostface so many times. He's been stabbed and, and, yeah. and hurt so many times by these ghost faces. It's just like, oh my God. And they all have. Mm. But, and he went down and, fighting too. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. he, he took out, like, he knocked that ghost face down. It was like, okay, I'm coming back. You have to kill them in the head. You have mm-hmm. to shoot them in the head or they're not going to, 
they're not actually dead because he knew mm-hmm. fucking bulletproof vests and so but going back like that and going down like he did like just was like oh my god that hurts so bad and it's just like ah oh, that 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 hurt me i was i was upset about that but he was the one who had to die of the group that if you're going to kill somebody mm-hmm. and move that he was probably the one that needed to die because Gail, Gail to me has always been the, she's been the harder Gail, edged one. That's the thing is like Gail's always been the one who always steps right. into danger anyway. Yeah. And so if Gail died, it would have just been like, well, yeah. <laughs> like it would have been and the, I mean, and Dewey been like too, you, you really kind of put yourself out yeah. there. Dewey's the cop, but like Dewey was the cop, like the good cop that cared about his friends, cared about everything. And, and put himself in harm's way so much so that he's like, you know, permanently disabled and everything yeah. for so many, you know, issues and everything. But, you know, to go out swinging like he did was just awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good, it death. was a good ending. Yeah, it, it was. It, and it was a fucking brutal death. Oh, it was though. brutal. Like, Which again brings me to, because we know it was Amber who up. was, because we know it was Amber because the other well, we killer, to, yeah, the other Richie, one, we, yeah. was was in the hallway yeah. with them. And so we knew it had to be Amber. Richie. And so, which Dra- which to me is kind of like like the strength it took to like one plunge both of those knives in and pull up like she did like i mean adrenaline's she a hell of a yeah. thing she almost lifted you know. him off the ground yeah and i mean she was knocked unconscious and i i could justify it yeah but it like more than more than anything about that sequence that final shot sticks with me so much of yeah. just the menacing ghost face with standing over Dewey's body with two knives, both yeah. dripping blood. That was a great shot. Just in the hospital like hallway. Like I want it a is a poster of that. Like I'm not even so lie. Good. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. No, great that, directing, great cinematography yeah, in that moment. That that like, one that's to, a great image. Props to everyone who w- was working on that scene. Yeah, that for me is one of the more iconic images of the whole the whole series. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, and and again, like it should be like that was the death of one of the major, yeah. like one of the major characters, and yeah. and for it to linger on that moment and not just kind of rush away from it and just be like, all right, stab, stab, rip, and then we're cut away to the new characters. Like the fact that we actually had a moment to actually see it, yeah. and and again, and mourn a little and, bit. And, well, and mourn, but like also. To be to, afraid. To, like, to be afraid. Like, this ghost like, face, this is the one that, that, that killed, Dewey. killed Dewey. And, and this one is, like, like standing up, two knives in its hand, just, like, oh, so and menacing and everything. And said, like, it was a pleasure or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was Some, an honor. Yeah, yeah, it was an yeah. honor, so. Well, and. It was like, oh, oh. And then, okay, <laughs> so then we get a n- new tech. Because they were using yeah. something that was on their throat, like something yeah. that was part of their, like, you know, around part their neck the or whatever, yeah. that they clicked on to make their voice sound while yeah. they're walking around. So they didn't have to hold it in their hand. So mm-hmm. they could hold their knives yeah. and be completely, you know, hands free with that. And so that upped the game a lot for mm-hmm. me, too. I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but yeah, no, I've just, in general, the, that, that scene, it, um, Oh right, that was what I was gonna say. Um, we needed to know that Dewey was dead, yeah. because if they had cut away too soon, or if it was just one stab, there yeah. could have been the like, like, well, we didn't see Dewey die, yeah. and like he could still be alive. But like the fact that it was like so brutal and 
he we lingered there yeah. of with Ghostface standing above the dead body, and yeah. we didn't see him move. Yeah. We didn't see anything, and it was just like that. That was that was Dewey's end, and that and for what it's worth, he got them out of there, and yeah, he, um, he was able to save them, help them out for a little. Um, and and to be fair, like to your point about being terrified of this Ghostface, I actually kind of believe that for at least myself these were one of the more terrifying ghost faces because they they genuinely seemed so with two three and four they all seem a little like they seem a little crazy but they're they're not like they're not as wild as Stu and billy were like Stu and billy were bonkers in the well, first one billy was and, for sure and, and i think Stu, like you know Stu was, Stu just was pretty sub- bonkers i mean he, he was, was going along bonkers. with yeah. it like yeah no like, no no, no, no. i'm not dis- it. dismissing it um and oh then, we gotta talk about some stew here um so. and um but with this one like they are genuinely like and and again the movie points at it because it's this movie is a commentary on on fandoms um yeah and, so toxic and, fandoms and, and, yes and toxic <laughs> fandoms and crazed fandoms and and to that point these these two killers are insane like they are absolutely insane in how much of fans they are about the stab franchise and and about how they want to inspire the next one and everything and so it's they want to bring it back to the originals. They want to bring yes. it back to the mm-hmm. to the like to what Stab was was truly they, all about. They, because they are this not is just the, fans; they are fanatics. So this they, is what this is what they, we haven't talked about yet, they, they and this wanna, is what we were talking Halloween about before. Was this was this this was the commentary on elevated horror because yeah. what happened was in this universe, Stab Eight was directed by the director of that Knives Out guy. You know, yeah. which was a commentary on Ryan Johnson having directed yeah. the sec- uh, the the eighth Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. at which you know divided fans pretty harshly, mm-hmm. and so you know yeah. that that in itself. But then also talking about elevated horror because you go back to the beginning, Tara can't because this Ghostface is recreating the beginning yeah. of the first movie, yeah. doing the scary like trivia, you know, the mm-hmm. horror movie trivia, yeah. and she can't get the answers right because she doesn't watch. Old slashers. Well, no, yeah. she, she doesn't watch sl- right, slashers. Yeah. She watches the Babadook and Hereditary. She watches yeah. the Elevated Horror. So yeah. this is talking about that. And then number eight of the Stab franchise was like, oh well, we're gonna take it into an Elevated Horror thing. We're not gonna, you mm-hmm. know, that's how they were talking about it. And then, well, so it you, takes it in a different direction I mean, than what they were doing. But I also want to talk about the beginning, going back to that beginning too, because this is the first movie where we actually get somebody the first victim who actually survives yeah yeah survives yeah, all absolutely. that you know we did not expect her to survive but she was actually in the hospital and she survives through the whole movie mm-hmm. which is crazy we like yeah. that so again we're flipping the script on yep. things we're, we're changing the narrative mm-hmm. of what these and that's what again what's great about scream oh, is that each movie changes something in its own narrative to expand it to to evolve it yeah, to to no, a, to the next level to the next generation i guess but you're getting 
and the, and they talk about the requel. You know, the, we yeah. get the the, the meat yeah, smart. It's also a commentary on requels. Requels. Um, you know, you um, you get these. Your, you know, your Halloween. Ghostbuster. Your... Yeah, Halloween twenty eighteen. You get Ghostbusters Afterlife. You get all these movies that are you know, take the original people, bring them back, but introduce new people too. It's not and, Halloween without Laurie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's this is. A, you know, and this it's not scream unless you get you know Sydney, Dewey, yeah. and Gale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but we got a bunch of new characters. We got you know the 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 niece and nephew of Randy. Lots of great cameos, um, oh, including yeah. audio cameos by uh, Matthew yeah. Lillard. You know, mm-hmm. he uh, he did a voice in the stab eight section on the YouTube thing. You know, with the ghost face with the flamethrower, he's the voice of that. And then uh, he also has a voice as one of the people at the house later on at his house at the party. He's like, uh, he says something to the effect of, uh, "This is a nice house" or something. Mm-hmm. So, so in reference to his own house, you know. Yeah. And then uh, Jamie Kennedy, who played Randy, also gets a voice cameo. He's like, uh, he's the guy who says some goofy, goofy person's dad is here. Or like somebody's oh, okay. goofy dad is here to kick us all out. Mm-hmm. So, and then you know the two West part where they're like, yeah, uh, toasting to Wes who died. There mm-hmm. it was also a to West Craven moment. Yeah. Where they got a bunch of voices from people who were in the movies earlier, like mm-hmm. some of the other uh, actors awesome. and actresses who were in the other movies, to honor Wes Craven for that part in that movie too. So it's really mm-hmm. cool. And then we also find out there's a there's a bit where there's a screen for YouTube or something like that that references Kirby from Scream Four that she's alive. Mm. Oh, nice. So it because it, it, people were really jockeying for her to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really okay. wanted because you don't see her die. Yeah. You just she just disappears, yeah. um, and so, so it was good to see that she, you mm. know, still alive. I was bummed because they kept teasing Stu. They kept talking so about how many, s- so many red. Herrings. It was such a red herring, and I think that they were doing that because so many people wanted Stu to come back. Yeah, that you know, there, there was the possibility that you know having the TV dropped on his head didn't kill him. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, you know, but you, it's they kept dismissing him. Like, throughout the whole movie, yeah. they were like, oh, well, Billy Loomis. Well, also, Stu was there. And then Dewey was like, oh, yes, yeah, Stu was just his, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, hanger-on or whatever. You know, he yeah. was he, he was his uh, accomplice. But Stu was, like, one of the major killers, mm-hmm. too. It was like, yeah. it, Stu was a killer. Yes, he was being manipulated or being, you know, whatever by... Used by used Billy. Used by Billy. But he he was still a major part of it and so i kept hoping that he was going to come back that he was the guy who was ultimately behind everything so when it was richie i was a little let down especially because it was the boyfriend again yeah and i was like no nah, not again the boyfriend for what is worth, he was a really sinister boyfriend when it no, was revealed. Like, well, he yeah, was... and he did really good at playing off like he wasn't the whole yeah. time, too. Like, he was really good. Jack oh, yeah. Quaid is a great actor. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen The Boys on uh, Amazon Prime, uh, that is a great show, and he's one of the main characters on that, if not the main character. But he was great in this. Uh, everybody was really great. I love the new cast. I love the, the, the Meeks Martin twins, The uh, just everybody. Jenna Ortega as Tara. They were they were just all great, and Jenna Ortega is uh, also becoming this new horror young horror icon. She's been in a few things. She's been in Scream. Um, she's uh, going to be in the Netflix Adams Family series uh, Wednesday, mm. where she's going to be mm-hmm. playing Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. Uh, the one who played Mindy Meeks Martin, she was on Yellow Jackets. She mm-hmm. uh, she played Thaisa on that. So it was kind of a 
uh, awesome thing. She's on one of the most talked about shows right now and also had like the number one movie for you know, mm-hmm. that week and yeah. everything. It was getting like, so it, it's great that it was a great cast. I loved what they were talking about. Like we said that they were talking about toxic fandom, that these, these guys were so wrapped up in what stab was the stab movies were mm-hmm. and how they thought the later ones deviated from it. And they wanted to get it back to the, the original you know, narrative in a way. And so that's why they were doing it in Stu's house. They were mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. It, like, you know, they were trying to pin it all on the daughter of Billy Loomis, the illegitimate daughter of Billy Loomis. And so yeah. you were getting, or the unknown daughter of Billy Loomis. So you're, they were trying to bring it all back to the original, which again, you think that this isn't a part of all of that saga of mm-hmm. of of Sydney and everybody else, but it really is. It's still yeah. all tied mm-hmm. to it so deeply that it was a, it was great the way they connected it. Uh, a little fun tidbit, also the girl uh, Amber, she goes up in flames there, and she's all burnt and everything. Mm-hmm. Similar fate happened to her in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's the one who gets flamethrowered. Oh, uh, that's funny. The actress uh, played that character in, <laughs> in that movie. So I, she gets I felt like I'd seen so her two, somewhere. Two movies where she's gotten yeah. flambéed like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we need a we need another movie uh, for her so she has an un- unofficial uh, <laughs> flaming trilogy. Flaming trilogy. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, um, but yeah, right. just good movie. Definitely watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, um, and if you haven't seen it, please don't be listening to this right now. Yeah, because uh, we have spoiled the hell out of it. But yeah, if if you uh, watch it again, yeah, watch just, it again. Yeah, you just yeah. watch it again. Oh, I can't wait for it. I cannot wait for it to come out on on video so that we can watch it again because I, I need to watch it again. I, need so to I just need you things. to watch it again, so that way I need to know if I'm right about those bruise, <laughs> bruises. I know cause... I've looked it up and I can't find it anywhere. So if it would have been there i feel like maybe you guys need to uh go into the theater around that time like just go in and maybe i imagine some bruising (laughs) i mean you still got it right either way yeah still well and i think that's what's good too again that richie you could you could maybe call him but i don't think anybody did Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're thinking about it, like you know, like you guys said, you guys both called Amber, but you guys didn't call the other no, killer. I no, so, I, like literally during like a part of the movie, I was like, I like him. Yeah, I literally said you did. You, you leaned over and you're like, yeah. oh. they made him funny, and like that was honestly one of the best things they could have done to misdirect you about his yeah. character was to make him the funny guy. Well, and that was the thing too. Like in the first one, Billy is sinister throughout it like you oh, yeah. question it the whole time like you're like yeah. and they keep trying to veer you off of him but they're very even pointedly stew, make- even Stu has that one moment with randy in the video store that's yeah like, it's like they, they make it pretty like, pretty obvious but pretty obvious, at the same but time but then they start veering off with red herrings and you're like because that is the mm-hmm. thing in that first movie you're like i think it's one of them mm-hmm. and then they kind of, and then you're like oh no maybe it is somebody else maybe it's this person maybe it's that person and then you're like Oh shit! It really was them. Yeah. Oh, but it was both of them, you yeah. know. And in this movie, you're just thrown off completely because he seems like such a caring guy, mm-hmm. and you know he's funny, and he's trying to get out of there, blah blah blah. And you know, but meanwhile, he's been manipulating everything. I think the first moment where I started to kind of question his motivations was when he was in the car and um, and he didn't want to pick up the inhaler because. Um, and again, that's Those very, that's very, very that's end. very late in the movie. That's yeah. like moments before the reveal yeah. of his character. And so, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's not that much of a, like, 
prediction by any means, right. but it was like for what it's worth, they they, they made me suspicious. And well, so, and I did like how they when we get to the house at the end and the party and everything, the way that it's shot and everything, you don't know it's the same house at first. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, yeah. you mm-hmm. know from the trailers that that house yeah. is going to be in the movie, but you're kind of thrown off because you're just enjoying the movie and everything. So I was like. Yeah, I didn't that wasn't even like realize yeah, that and so they're filming it in ways that you don't notice it because they've like they've moved they, they furniture wait, differently. They changed the angles. They yeah, wait they until the angles. they wait until the moment that Sydney walks in through the door. Yeah, that they start like, to shoot and it. They pull it, back the exact... out, and then you're like, oh, it's Stu's house, and you're yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah. yeah so, especially for like, the moment you see like, that closet under the stairs, moments. you're like, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some moments that you can definitely realize that it's the same house, but. The angles that they shoot it at aren't the same angles yeah. that they do in the first movie, so it exactly. makes it different. All right. Well, I think we've um, talked quite a bit about us uh, about these movies. We're running close to the two-hour mark. This is probably going to be our longest episode ever, uh, which is great. But uh, we had a lot to say about the Scream franchise. It's one of our favorites. It continues to be one of our favorites. I think it'll long be one of our favorites. Uh, any any last words about no, the series or anything? I think I've said everything. All right. Well, until next time, stay creepy. <laughs>